Hello, my name is Walt. The Old Testament reading is found in Genesis 1, 26 through 28a. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us, so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on the earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fertile and multiply. Fill the earth and master it. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Laura. The New Testament reading is found in Romans 12, 18 to 19. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Please stand if you are able. Hello, my name is Paula. And today our gospel reading is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court, and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you, in all seriousness, that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. Please remain standing as we pray. Father God, thank you for a new day, a new morning, a new opportunity to seek you in and through your word. So would you open your word to us, open your truth to us. The spirit reside rich in this place this morning. So speak for your servants are listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen, please take your seats. Jason, thanks for that introduction. I am Evan, and I've been here for 10 years now on staff, which just blows my mind. And Matt Howard's in this room, and he texted me. He was the first one to say, hey, congrats on that thing. And I'm like, how'd you know? I haven't been telling anybody. And he said, I have my sources. And then I found out his source was the church email, and I was really impressed that he read it to the bottom. Well done. Well done to many of you on that end. We are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and this will take us all the way up until Easter. And Jason has been setting up the beginning of chapter five, which is the start of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and di discussing and declaring what Jesus is doing and declaring blessings over us. 
and talking in our identity that we are the salt and the life and talking about the law last week. And, and this is the core. The setup is pivotal for what's about to come in the rest of chapter five, that Jesus's sermon pronouncing blessings, it's divine favor. It's God's kingdom come to everyone in every situation and in every condition in which they find themselves, which means that whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, the kingdom is yours and you belong, that it has come to you. And he says, the kingdom is not only coming for you, the kingdom will also come through you, that the reign of God will expand through the ordinary everyday lives of finite, vulnerable humans, us, you and me. And that this is the way that it happens through our obedience to Jesus and through the good things that we do for others in his name. And he makes this pivot this week. Last week, we were talking about the idea of Jesus coming to not abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And in the rest of chapter five, he does six different movements where he begins the statement, you have heard it said, and then flips it, but I say to you, and talks about the real heart of the matter within all of these laws. And so today I get the joy of talking about anger. (laughs) And I would say that I'm not an angry person. And then I had kids and found out I I have triggers, y'all. Left, right, front, back, they're, they're just there. And I really am, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty cool guy, but it's amazing what'll make you just flip from cool to like, oh my goodness, and just that quick second. Parents, can I get an amen? Okay, so we might do some therapy at the same time we're doing some sermoning, okay? Um, and it's amazing with kids, I have three now. Our youngest, his name is Owen, he's seven months, and he has teeth, which means he bites me now, and that's great too, and that's an anger trigger as well. And... It's amazing what comes back around as an adult when you have kids, Uh, like McDonald's. I avoided it for 20 something years. And then all of a sudden I have kids and they say, daddy, can I have a happy meal? And it's like the Jonas Brothers songs coming on. I'm a sucker for you. And I just turn right into the drive-thru. Like it's just, it's amazing what comes back around. And now McDonald's is an app I have on my phone, like 20 something years. And now it's back. And another joy of parenting that's back is, uh, is Mr. Rogers, y'all. It, mostly in the form of his little puppet friend who's now in an animated series called Daniel Tiger, which is really good and you should all watch it. Um, but yes to Mr. Rogers. And there's a classic that has held the test of time in him presenting kids with the ability to say, it's okay to have your emotions. It's what you do with them that really matters. And he has this, uh, this poem that turned into a song that was on his show back in the day. And it's on Daniel Tiger now, which is where I learned about it. And then I had to follow this thread backwards. But he actually, Mr. Rogers himself got to testify in front of a Senate committee about funding for public television back in 1969. And he used this song to make his point of what they're doing on the show. And this is how the song goes. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite. When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. And I, along with Jesus and Mr. Rogers, wanna ask the question today, what do we do with the mad that we feel? And this was our scripture reading for the morning and I wanna, I wanna just put it back right in front of us. You have heard it said, this is Matthew 5 starting verse 21, 
that those who lived long ago don't commit murder and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If you say to your brother or sister, you idiot, you'll be in danger of condemned for that governing council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be in danger of fiery hell. And I want to start with a question. Why is Jesus honing in on our anger and relating it to murder? And maybe in that, what is in our anger itself? What is going on beyond the surface level, going lower and deeper into it? In, in the counseling world, if you've gone to counseling, if you've studied counseling, if you've talked to people who've gone to counseling, a common phrase that is thrown out about anger is that anger is a presenting emotion. When we're talking about what do we do with our anger and we ask the question of what is in our anger in the first place, the first thing I think we need to start with as a basis is anger is a presenting emotion, which means that when you are angry about something, it's actually masking as well something deeper that is going on on the inside, a feeling which is maybe even more core to what's going on in your souls. It's the way in which we treat someone else that anger is. It's positive or negative, and it, it masks those things. And the deeper things could be things like hate and fear, pain, insecurity, loss, disrespect, grief, feelings of being unloved, feelings of being inadequate. There's something that happens within us, and we, it's hard to deal with, it's hard to face straight on, and how it comes out isn't just, oh, I feel inadequate or I feel disrespected and, and I'm just experiencing that, but it comes out as anger. Uh, and I may have experienced this one time um, with an ex-girlfriend, um, and I didn't really know what was going on except for this peaceable, joyful guy usually feeling quite a bit of anger inside. Um, but I found some therapy because there was a random case of tiles in the place that I lived uh, that had not been set, you know, like on a bathroom floor, like a case of Home Depot tiles. Uh, and me and a buddy got those one night and we went out uh, behind the house and I was just like, I just, it was bubbling over and I started just smashing them like on the ground. Just, I didn't know what was going on. I just take the tile and just smash it and the therapeutic sound of that just breaking in a hundred pieces all asunder. It started letting me figure out and express what was really going on inside. And by the end of it, I started naming each tile. This is what happened. This is what was done to me. And I would just smash it and it would just start naming the emotions under the anger. And once I got to the bottom of that case of tile, I feel like I got to the bottom of what was really going on with me and feeling this intense disrespect. Like I've been so disrespected and I didn't really understand that because the anger is what was presenting itself. So when we're talking about anger and what is in our anger and why is Jesus caring so much about this, I think number one, we need to understand that anger is a presenting emotion. And number two, anger often becomes an effort to control. In our anger, we end up trying to control something that is most likely feeling out of our control. So I would like you, if you will, if you've been angry ever, maybe right now, maybe you walked in that way, um, to just think about that anger and then start thinking about what happens in your body in response of just being angry. And I would guess that some of you, if you're really experiencing anger, what you start to do is you start to clench up. Your fists become tight. Your body becomes kind of strained and flexed. Maybe your jaw goes really tight. 
And that there's something about our anger that actually like, causes us to try to hold on and control something that is feeling absolutely out of control or beyond ourselves to actually change it. And just recognizing some of these things might end up then helping us address what do we do with our anger. That if it's a presenting emotion, but there's something deeper in your core that's really going on, that I encourage you, try to get there. What, try to name the anger and what else is happening. And try to recognize that in those moments, I think we feel so exposed about the things we can't control in life that we start getting so tense about the th- We're just trying to control something. Some of us become really big in our anger. We get bigger than we usually are. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking as far as the way that we emotionally become. Wow, daddy, like me, have you guys ever heard my dad voice? Probably not, because I do all right with my anger. But back to those kids, mm, dad voice comes out. Anybody discovered your dad voice, your mom voice, your teacher voice maybe? I don't know, is that a thing? Are you guys allowed to discover a teacher voice? Anyway, we can work through that some other time. But you become really big because it's in this attempt of, and everything I can't control, I'm trying to become so big that I do end up controlling it. I think as a parent, that's where I've really discovered my anger is saying something happened because this little human is outside of my control because they are their own person. They have their own free will and they are as illogical as can be at age four and I can't control them. And why did you do that? I don't know. My son literally tells me all the time, the voice in my head told me to. The voice in your head is you, stop it. Like, (laughs) there is no difference, it is you. Impulse control, okay, we'll get there. And my anger rises up because something has happened often to me that is beyond my control, it has caused pain, it has caused disrespect, whatever it is, whatever is going on, but the way that it comes out is anger. So if we're looking at what is anger and in our anger as Jesus is addressing it, I wanna talk about not just what is in it, but what comes out of our anger. When we act in anger, what comes out of us? And I wanna present two things and just for us to poke at. This is not exhaustive, but two things in our anger as presenting emotions and effort and control that come out of our anger is that we disrespect the other person with whom we're angry with and their personhood in its essence and we disregard their perspective. In our anger, we're usually dealing with another person. It's not just, oh, I'm angry about the cosmos. Maybe that is part of it. But even if we're naming that, it could be the God that we're really angry with. And that's okay, it's okay to name that. But there is another person involved in some manner. And in our anger, we end up disrespecting the other's person and disregarding the other's perspective. And Jesus is saying this when he's talking about the way that we respond to anger and he's warning in this. Don't be angry. If you say to your brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if you say, you fool, they will be in danger of the fiery hell. And I think what comes out of our anger is a, is a red filter. Just, I'm seeing red right now, you know? We're so angry, I can't even really see you as a person created in the image of God. And we end up not respecting their humanity and the divinity of God placed on them being carriers of the Imago Dei, 
but we end up disrespecting their person as a whole. When we see them, we don't see them clearly. We don't see them as a brother or sister in Christ. We don't see them as God has said and Jesus has labeled in the beginning of chapter five as blessed and as beloved and as the kingdom being theirs and as the ones who are carriers of the salt and and the light. We see them as less than wrong, you idiot. And in our anger, we're blinded to the person who they really are, one made in God's image and loved by God fully. And this could be in any sort of circumstance that those red blinders come on. And what ends up happening is a slippery slope because the red blinders come on and we disrespect their person and it's easy to then resent them. It's easy to then say these curses against them. It's easy then to slide into contempt for them. It's easy to prop ourselves up as right and them completely wrong. And we disrespect their person. And the second point that I wanna make, what comes out of us and what Jesus is saying and how we treat each other, how we call each other is we disrespect their perspective. That when we're dealing with another person in anger, we barely see them as a person and we don't really care about their perspective because we end up self-justifying our perspective and our person because we're so angry about what's going on. What has happened to us, what has happened around us. And we say those things like, you fool, you stupid person. And not only do we label their person, but we say their entire perspective is invalidated because of my anger. I am right because I'm angry enough to only be able to see my righteousness and their wrongness. And in our anger, we disregard their perspective. We stand as judge of our own rights of judge of our own wounds, of judge of the trespasses that we feel. And in our anger, we hold a perspective that say that my way is really the only right way right now. And it fuels us again to not be able to let go. That maybe there was someone else and they have their own perspective. They have the, the image of God on them. They're filled with the spirit still if they're a brother or sister in Christ. And in our anger, those red blinders come on and what comes out of us is a disrespect for their person and a disregard for their perspective. And Jesus leads us, warning us that our own anger leads to judgment and condemnation of of, of others and actually puts us in danger of ourselves being judged in the natural and condemned in the internal. This is what he's saying in verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. They say to their brother or sister, you idiot, we've, we've read this again, but see it one more time. They will be in danger of being condemned by their governing council. And if you say you fool, you'll be in danger of the fiery hell. That the judgment seat that we place ourselves on in our own anger, that we feel self-justified because of the anger, because of the intensity of wrong done to us, that we then don't just judge the act, we judge the person. And Jesus flips the, the scenario and says, you yourself are in danger of the same judgment that you're placing on another person. So I caution you, I caution you. This is Jesus saying, in your anger, don't do these things. And he gets to verse 23 and says, therefore, and as all of those who grew up in some sort of Sunday school class, when you see the therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. All right. We just had the context above. So this he says, so therefore, and he makes this pivot point in the midst of this talk on anger. If you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. And what he does here is this really interesting move 
of changing the, uh, the one he's addressing, you and your anger, to when someone has something against you and their anger. And in us and our anger, he's cautioning us towards what is, I think, uh, uh, the need for self-control. Because of all the things we can't control, there is one thing scripturally which is prescribed to us to be in control of, and that is self-control. That of all the things in this world that we can't control, he goes, I know, but I am cautioning you and courtesying and saying, be in self-control. And therefore, if you know that somebody has something against you, leave your offering and go and try to make it right and try to come back into relationship and try to make repairs for the sake of the unity of the church. If you know, go. And this is our participation, that Jesus cautions us about our own anger and then pivots the perspective from our worship of God if we know someone has anger against us. The first thing that we should do that he tells us, if you know it, own it. If you know it, own it. If somebody has something against you, if you have wronged them, whether you know it's justified or not or something's going on, own the fact that somebody feels that way. You're not responsible for their emotions. You're not responsible for their things, but own the fact that it is. And Jesus is saying, and go to them and see if you can figure out reconciliation. Because what we end up doing is denying it. No, I can justify why I'm okay and I don't need to enter back into that relationship. Or we minimize it. They're making something out of nothing. This really isn't a big deal. Have you talked to them about it? No, but I know what's going on. I've heard about it. We dismiss it. It doesn't matter. We justify it. And that's what we do with our sin. And that's why sometimes this keeps on going on. It's like even in our own sin, we self-justify what's going on. But how much less do we know when it's someone else holding something against us? And Jesus is saying, if you know it, own it. Go to them and try to reconcile. And this is the second part. If you have agency, act on it. If you know it, own it. And if you have agency, act on it. Meaning, if you have the power of all the things in this world that we cannot control, and they are many. And I think so often we live in a slumber of things just work until all of a sudden something comes corroding into them and it just breaks and the world falls apart and it doesn't work and we realize, oh my gosh, I did not realize how much control I don't have. Jesus brings it back into this context and says, but you do have a certain amount of control, your self-control. So if you have the agency to act and to try to bring unity, to try to bring reconciliation, to try to get this anger and mitigated because you're bringing and sowing peace with one another, do it. If you have agency, act on it. If you did something wrong, repent. Seek out your brothers and sisters. Repent to them. Ask forgiveness from them. Do hard things. And in the end, what we end up doing is practicing the gospel with one another. That the forgiveness that we've received from God through Jesus Christ, we then and go and act that out with one another in our relationships. Repenting, asking for forgiveness, extending forgiveness, receiving it, reconciling. There are a number of instances that I am making blatant statements about that I don't want you to think in this moment that I'm saying in all things, in all situations, in all ways, you should go and seek out reconciliation. I recognize in this space, we have a number of our stories which include abuse from abusers, 
people who are unsafe and have proven that time and time again. Wisdom would not say, go back and do everything you can. Most likely you've done a lot already. And we leave that as a place of surrender to God and say, God, I've tried and it is not safe and it is not good. And so I wanna, I wanna give acknowledgement to that. And so in our, in our wisdom, discerning the situation, discerning, am I angry? Is someone else holding anger against me? And God, then what would you have me do? I wanna invite Jason and the worship band up because I think what Jesus does is lead us back to the table with our anger. Even as he's saying, if you know somebody holds it against you, leave your worship, go. In this space, he will lead us back to his gospel and what he did with us on this life. And so as we come with our stories, with the things done against us and the things that we've done, the way that we've disrespected other people, the way that we've been disrespected, the way that we've disregarded others' perspectives, the way that we disregard others, the things that we've owned and the things that we've denied, the agency we've taken up and the agency that we've said, no, I'm not willing to do that. What Jesus does in this space, I think, by even telling us this is he himself has been living this out and in coming back to the table, what we do is we enter into the story again so that we can live it out. At the table and the cross in Jesus's life, I think the first thing that he would invite us into is seeing the Imago Dei in our humanity. That when our anger blinds us, Jesus comes and restores to us the blessing of our identity in God. That in the beginning, this is our Old Testament reading, in the beginning, God creates us and he blesses us. We are made in his image. And Jesus comes and in the beginning of chapter five, this is what he does. He speaks blessings. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And in that he reestablishes the image of God and our blessing in God and our created being and who we are and how he has made us to be carriers of his image in our humanity. So then when we come to the table, what he does is he reestablishes the imago in the midst of our humanity. At the cross and in his life and in this chapter, he speaks. So we see the imago and we speak blessings of life. That it is so easy in our anger to speak curses against the other person. And he warns us against that. The judges that we make on others would fall on ourselves. So we come again to Jesus, the one who even though we had messed up, he had all the rights to be angry with us. He says, blessed are you and I speak life of you. You are the salt and you are the light. And he speaks his life over us again today. And then we seek. We see the imago in each other as established by Christ. We speak blessings in the way of Christ and we seek unity and we surrender control. That it's not my way and it's not my kingdom. It's Christ's way and Christ's kingdom. And ultimately in the things that we cannot control, we surrender control to the one who we have faith is in control. And we seek justice while surrendering judgment. It's not that we do nothing. We're called to have agency and so act on it. Seek justice, seek to participate in ways that are just for things that are just. While knowing that at the end, we are not the judge of right and wrong in every man's heart and every woman's heart.
That is God's role. This is Jesus himself. And so even as we're seeking unity and surrendering control, we're seeking justice while surrendering judgment to Christ, the only righteous one. And we find that image of God's divinity placed on us in Imago Dei again at the table and the speaking and the blessings of life at the table and control being surrendered again at the table and saying, God, we release this to you. We release it to you because you are trustworthy. We release it because you are in control. Now fill us again to seek justice and participate in the ways that we can of your peace on earth, your kingdom come in us and through us. Amen. Yes, thank you, Pastor Evan. As we come to the table, we do recognize that there's so much of this moment that is about surrender, about letting go of opening back up and receiving again something that we do not have inside ourselves, but receiving from God. And so I want to just take a moment right now and give us a bit of space to ask Jesus to reveal to us what he's inviting us to surrender. What control are we trying to hold on to or to make happen? Who are we trying to control? What do we need to surrender today? And to ask the Spirit of God to reveal that to us, that we might be able to come to the table open-handed. Spirit of God, speak to us. Show us what you're inviting us to surrender to you. Knowing that surrendering to you is a great act of trust. It's not a way of saying that this doesn't matter. It's a way of recognizing that we need your help. So come and help us in these situations. Help us, we pray. Brothers and sisters, this is Jesus' table. So all who believe that Jesus is the true king of the world are welcome to receive here this morning, regardless of your church background or your affiliation. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm just not sure what I believe about Jesus. I want to say thank you for choosing to spend a Sunday morning with us. We're really honored that you're here. And we want to encourage you to keep coming. Keep coming back. Maybe even get involved in a meal group or Alpha or ask someone out for coffee and ask questions about who this Jesus is. Maybe today you're here and going, I've been doing that for a little while and I think I'm ready. I'm ready to place my trust in Jesus, to follow his teachings, to learn what it means to live his life. And so we want to invite you, if that's you, to join us in this moment where we confess our sin, where we receive his forgiveness, and we place our trust in him once again. We begin with a prayer of confession. Would you join me this morning? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. 
by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Friends, it's my joy to announce to you this morning good news. Words that are true, not because I say them, but because what God has done in Jesus. So would you open up your hands and receive again the mercy of our God. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, and this proves God's unending, never stopping, never giving up love toward us. And so in the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. And the peace of the Lord be with you. What we're going to do right now is something we've been doing for the last couple weeks. We're just doing from now until the beginning of Lent, which is actually taking what Evan just said and putting it into practice, speaking blessing over one another. We live in a world that is quick to curse, that's quick to speak words of death to one another. But the church should be a place where we, like Jesus, speak blessings over one another. And so there is a blessing here on the screen that you can say to one another today. Or if there's something that you, maybe you know the person that you're sitting next to you and you want to speak life over them in some way. Maybe you've never met them before and you want to just introduce yourself and speak this blessing. Maybe during worship or during prayer, you thought, actually, I want to share this with someone. This would be the time to do that. But would you stand and for 30 or so seconds, would you find someone, look them in the eye and speak the blessing of Jesus over their life today? Friends, Jesus is here. Let's do that one more time. Jesus is here. So lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Would you do that right now? Would you give him thanks for his goodness? It is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, our Father, the Almighty One. For you formed us in your image. You made us in the Imago Dei. You breathed your life into us. You filled us with your blessing. And when our love failed, your love remained steadfast for us. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf. And we remember his faithfulness this morning. On the night in which he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus, he took bread. When he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which has been given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine and when he given thanks, he gave it to them and he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And so whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim the great mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Would you stretch out your hands here toward the table? We're all part of the priesthood of all believers. And so we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to meet us in this moment. Father God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us? Come, Holy Spirit. Come on these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world. The body of Christ, redeemed by your blood. And by your spirit, would you make us one with Jesus? One with each other? We might live into the very things that we just heard about. We might live into the unity that we have in Jesus. And then make us one in ministry to the entire world until Jesus comes again in final victory. Amen. Well, friends, these are the gifts of God. They've been given for us, the people of God. And since we receive them in remembrance that Christ died for us and we feed on him in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. I want to invite the servers to come forward now. And for those of you who are new or newer, I want to tell you how this is going to work today. Uh, in just a moment, to beginning at the front of each section, everyone will come, everyone who is able will exit to your left and come forward. If you're unable to come forward for any reason, please ask someone who's next to you to grab elements for you and bring them back. If you're in the balcony, you can come down and join the section here on the right, or there are some prepackaged elements on the table near the entrance. Uh, if you are not receiving, we ask that you would still come forward anyway, just so that no one trips over you in the rows. But you can just walk the servers right on by and head back to your seat. The first server, what will happen is they'll take a gluten-free cracker, dip it in the cup of non-alcoholic wine. They'll place it in your hand. You can then receive it right then and there, carry it back to your seat and receive it with those that you came with. If you would prefer prepackaged elements, you can ask the servers. They have them in the basket. If you would like a napkin, there's some napkin dispensers. As you come down, you can grab one of those. There'll be two stations in the front of each section. So as you come down, please make sure you rotate between them. After everyone has received, the team that's serving you communion will become our prayer team. So if there's anything you would like prayer for this morning, please feel free to come back down and ask for prayer. But let's worship together as we come to the table of our Lord.